0: God, we enter into your throne room. Grateful for this Advent season where we truly are able to reflect on who you are, for what you've done, for the miraculous birth, for you coming down to be with us. God, it truly is a miracle. Nothing less. And Lord, for the, for the soul that's in here today that that doesn't know you, that's maybe skeptical. God, speak to them. Use this message that you've put together this morning to shed light on an area that they need an answer. Lord, provide hope for the hopeless this morning. Be the great provider, the great physician. Lord, I think of your ministry and how often you went for the one. The one that was down, the one that was out, the one that was considered an outcast. And and then Lord, I look at how you did that in my life. And God, I am so thankful for that. Lord, for the person that's here this morning that that's maybe thinking they're at the end of themselves. They don't know what's ahead. God, be a light to their path. Show your goodness. Pour out your grace. Lord, for the sick, for the hurting, I lift them up to you. Show them your sovereign hand. Put a hedge of protection around them, those that care for them. And again, Lord, show your goodness. Show your faithfulness in this season, no matter what it may bring. Lord, speak through me this morning. Again, Lord, use these words that you have given me to speak life to a soul. Allow me to become less so that you can become more. And Lord, we are so grateful, eternally grateful, for the work that you've done, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die on the cross for our sins and not just dying, rising again three days later, so that through faith in him, we can have eternal life. It's in his name that we pray these days. Amen. Thank you, Katie. Can we, can we give it up for our worship team this morning? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Thank you, guys. You know, we are working. We are going to begin our series for the Advent uh, coming up for the next three weeks. Uh, building up until Christmas Eve. And, and t- today we're going to focus on hope, as we just heard, as the Baltimore's lit the candle and, and read some scripture for us this morning. What a beautiful thing that was. But hope is thrown around in our world without much thought given to what it actually means. We hear it so often. I hope things change around here, because what we're currently doing is not working. Or, I hope that my friend gives her life to Christ, or his life to Christ, because they're not going down the right path. Or, I hope that better days are ahead, because I'm not full of the joy that I once had. Hope. You know, hope is so often a word that that the world uses as, as like a cop out, or or a false assurance that our expectations for what is to come will be better than what we are currently experiencing. Or or maybe in other words, it, it can be similar to wishful thinking. But for the Christian, hope is different. Hope, biblically speaking, is Assurance that God will do what he has promised. And my friend, let me assure you that he has made promises that are worth so much more than silver or gold. So much more than health and happiness. So much more than even the greatest of accomplishments can achieve. The greatest example of hope that the world has ever seen is this. A baby born in a manger. Isaiah 7:14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Micah two, 5, verse 2 says this, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah from You shall come forth for me, one who is to be a ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, ancient days. And again, Isaiah 9, 6 reads this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. What prophets prophesied for thousands of years and followers of God expected for generations upon generations, God made hope visible, tangible, and real for all of humanity to accept. My friend, hope is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now follow along with me as as we again kick off our Advent season of 2023, we're going through this, this topic of hope. Our scripture for this morning is going to be Isaiah 40, verses 27 to 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 to 31. And of course, we will take it in bite-sized chunks. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30, 27 to 31. Let's start by reading 27 and 28. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. Underline that. His understanding is unsearchable. Point number one for us this morning. Hope provides confidence to the doubter. Check it out. We got our points on the screen this morning. Yeah. Give it up for our AV team back there. (laughs) hope provides confidence to the doubter. Here Isaiah is writing to the people of Israel that God, listen to this, God is greater than the circumstances within them. Now the reason that he's referring, he's speaking to both Jacob and Israel that often provides confusion is is because their names really are interchangeable throughout scripture, both of which are referring to God's people, Israel. You can Google that if you want more information. But the people of Israel have been placed in exile, and and they're grumbling and complaining to God, acting as if He, the creator of the ends of the earth, doesn't know or understand their situation. Things aren't going their way. The Results of their situation are are not playing out how they had hoped. They even had it in them to, to say, my way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by God. Almost as if we need to tell God that we have rights too. It's almost comical. It's interesting what the Israelites were saying, reminding God of what we expect. Can you, can you imagine this? It's almost as if they're waving their fists at God, saying that you have intruded on my rights. Oh, my friend, this gospel is all too common in the church today. Thinking that we serve a God that is to abide by our hopes and expectations, believing that we serve some sort of Santa Claus, Santa Claus pie-in-the-sky God that. That gives us what we deserve. The Israelites are are crying out similar to when they were brought out of Egypt. They're demanding answers as to why they were going through this. And claiming that God has no control over their situation. But God says here in, in verse 27. Why do you say? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Why do you say? All throughout the Old Testament, God reminds his people that he has already provided all that we need to follow him. Every breath in our lungs is from above. And friend, even if he doesn't provide you with literal life on this side of eternity, he has provided you with eternal life on the other side. Right? The Apostle Paul writes, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He doesn't exist to please us or to meet our needs. He exists to redeem us, to sanctify us, to love us, all so that he can receive the glory. Any other theology that is taught that goes against this is not the gospel, but rather a made-up story providing false hope to the vulnerable. You know, a big cause of our our discontent with the Lord is that we often try to assume that we know what he is thinking or what he is going to do. You see, one beautiful thing about the God that we serve is that he has control over the nations, as we see here, and yet he knows your heart. He sees the trouble that you're walking through, but instead of looking at the situation, he looks at your faith in the midst of it. Your depression has come to a deeper depth than you could ever have imagined, yet God says, I am the everlasting God, and it's true, even when you don't feel his presence. Your marriage is at the end of what it once was, your your spouse wanting no part of you, forcing you into spiritual despair, but God says, I am the creator of of the ends of the world. My ways are unsearchable. You've been in a season of singleness, and and you're starting to wonder if God has made a mistake in creating you, questioning your own identity, but God reassures you that though you are unsure, God is so very sure about you. You see, even in the darkest of times and the most uncertain times, God is faithful. He is everlasting, and he does not grow tired of providing your deepest need. Continue to look to Him even when your flesh tells you not to. Though you can't feel Him or see Him or understand his, ra- his ways, remember that He has not asked you to. He simply asks that you trust Him. That's where our hope is. My friend, do you trust Him? Can you continue to lean on Him even when your situation looks hopeless and depressing? Because there will come a day when you will look back and say, God has been so faithful to me. Hope provides confidence when our flesh has none. Hope provides confidence to the doubter. We've all done there. Let's keep reading. Verse 29. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Point number two, hope provides strength to the weak. Hope provides strength to the weak. And if we're being honest, we are all weak when we compare ourselves to God. This Advent season, like each one that has been before and will come again, the Lord willing, is very unique. We read through verse 29 that says, He gives power to the faint, and He gives strength to those who lack. We can't help but look at the current state of our culture and say, Yeah, I fall into the category of being faint. I would consider myself lacking strength. You see, it's almost as if God has allowed these last few years to prove to us that we need to be utterly dependent on God no matter what our life or our world throws at us. Utterly dependent. Whether it's the ridiculous amount of inflation that the White House tells us is going down, but the grocery stores tell us otherwise. Or it's the difficulty that has come from the sickness or passing of a close family member or friend. You know, many come into church this morning after this last year, with a limp. Or even come crawling through that front door, needing just a bit of hope to get them through this season. And if that's you, if you are struggling and in need of strength, God so graciously and freely gives to those who ask. If that's you, if you fall in that category, of needing hope. Remember what the psalmist wrote in in chapter 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Where do you take refuge? It's almost as if God has used the, the state of our world to bring his people to repentance. I believe that for far too long, followers of Christ have began to put their hope in things that are not of God. And the way that he used this trouble over the last three years, he's reminding us that he is a jealous God. And if you ever begin to put your hope in anything but him, he doesn't stand for it. So you're asking, Ryan, what what have we been putting our, our hope in that's not of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, first and foremost, the, the freedoms that we have to worship him. For decades, we've been worshiping freedom as if it's something that can't be touched. Now you look around at the state of our nation, and, and Christians are being backed into a corner for praying in school or upholding Christian morals. Maybe you put your hope in a relationship, and and this specific person that, that you were with, you were expecting to be with you for the rest of your life, whether it's a, a boyfriend or, or a girlfriend or just simply a friend, and, and you're looking back at the year, and, and what a mess that's been created because it just didn't work out, or even more yet, you, you placed your, your hope in your investment accounts and your finances in general, and now because of an emergency or just the shape of our economy, you're realizing that everything that you are given isn't yours to begin with. You know, God has a way of revealing to us what we are putting our hope in so that he can grab our attention, show us how weak we really are, and that it is only him that provides the strength. You know, this strength that we read about here in Isaiah, in verse 29, it's a gift. And you know where gifts come from? They come from God and God alone. You see, being completely surrendered and dependent on Christ is the best place to be because it gives him the ability to demonstrate his power and receive the glory that he deserves. Hope provides strength. Hope provides strength to the weak. Verse 30 and 31. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But here we go. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint our third point for this morning hope provides motivation in the waiting hope provides motivation in the waiting if you're to look at the the Hebrew definition uh, of what our ESV Bible says even youths will faint. It literally, it's referring to these youths that, that are going to faint. It means picked or, or the strongest. It'd be like those videos you see of, of those men that are, that are absolutely jacked. Maybe they participate in those, those Spartan runs, you know what I'm talking about? They're, they're, they're like the Olympic weightlifters that lift up those giant metal balls. God is saying in here that, that there is going to come a time where even these men will run out of energy. They will become tired, weary, and they will faint. But get this, even those who, those who hope in the Lord, even the weakest of men and women, he will renew their strength. They will withstand. They will continue walking. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. You see, it's both the difficulty and strength that are endured in the waiting. In the waiting. When we wait on Him, we, we see our faith grow. When, when we see our faith grow, we become more content with who he is and, and less dependent on ourselves to make it through the situation. God gives us the motivation and the waiting because it's the waiting that strengthens our faith. When we look at the beautiful prophecy of the, vir- the virgin birth and, and the Savior that was born in a manger, and then we read about the ministry that the Christ performed while he was on earth, and And we see this fruit of of that ministry today and take heed to the salvation that he provided through his death and resurrection. We then look at our situation in front of us, and that is still yet to provide an outcome, whether it's one we desire or not. And we're motivated. Why? Because we know who's ultimately in control. You know, my uncle, Dr. Warren Wearsby, he used to tell me that as a Christian, there are three things that we all must be good at. Three things. Preach, pray, and plug away. Doesn't mean literal preach, maybe the lifestyle you're living. Preach, pray, and plug away. Though he encouraged this to me in a season of waiting, I then realized that as Christians, we are always in a season of waiting. At the time, I was a a new Christian, I was I was excited and waiting to start seminary. And then once I started seminary, I I couldn't wait to be done with seminary. And now that I'm done with seminary, I'm waiting for him to allow what he has burdened me to do to come to fruition. And and this is all just part of the Christian life, waiting, waiting. But there is something greater that we're waiting for. There is going to come a day where what took place thousands of years ago, what was promised by the disciples, will come true in the same way that the birth of Christ came true. Persecution will rise. Corruption will become more imminent. Our faith will be tested. But as Christians, we keep walking. When all seems to go against us, the test and mark of the true Christian is if we can keep walking. No matter the twists and turns of the events that the Lord has allowed to unfold against us, it just seems that the world is going against you. No matter the difficulty of the situation that you're in, no matter matter the stress that life has brought upon you and the weight and the burden that you are carrying right now, Jesus Christ has said these words. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Listen to this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light my friend, there will be a day, and I believe this day is coming very soon, where we will hear a trumpet sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And the person that is the very center of our hope will be visible right in front of our very eyes, and we will realize that in this waiting, in the trials, in the difficulties that life has brought us, those of us who have truly waited on the Lord will not only be able to renew our strength, but we will be able to praise God with his angels at his throne in heaven saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This hope is simple. This hope is accessible. And my friend, it is even more than a promise. It is a person. And this person's name is Jesus Christ. Man, you guys can come. Let's pray. God, there is a soul that is here this morning that, that so greatly desires to take up this yoke upon them. This yoke that is light. Lord, they desire the rest that you speak of here. They know you. They know who you are. But they haven't experienced this true rest that you offer. Lord, give them this hope, this assurance that you are who you said you are. And that even when all life goes against them and us, that you are still the king of kings. You are still the Prince of Peace. And Lord, you are still good. And God, as we enter into this Advent season, allow us to maintain that posture. And Lord, we ultimately say that we are so thankful for who you are, for sending your Son, Jesus, to earth, to die on the cross for our sins, rising again so that through faith in him we can have eternal life.